All right. Thank you guys for joining us today on Truth and Fiction. We're going to be wrapping up our little Harry Potter series here, talking about Half-Blood Prince and the Deathly Hollows. And uh, you're here with myself, Josiah, and... I'm Steve's here. And uh, we're just going to jump right in. Again, this is... A, I expect most of you guys to be familiar with the plot of this story, so we're not going to do a summary, and it covers a lot of ground anyway with these two movies, but... Steve, I want to ask you, what, what stood out to you this time on, in this pass through the, the, these stories? Yeah. Well, in this pass, I really looked at the whole thing from beginning to end, and w- the character and that stood out to me was good old Severus Snape. And I told Josiah before we got started today was, the thing that I said to him was, boy, I never really heard people talk about this with Harry Potter, but I feel like the whole thing is predicated on a, on a love story. It's all about love. Uh, the uh, Severus has done everything um, and set this whole thing in motion on, based on his love for Harry's mother, Lily. And th- the whole thing comes down to that in a lot of ways. In many ways. Yeah. yeah. Like so, it, the whole thing would just crumble without it. There was no right. hope for any of it. So we, uh, that was probably one of the things that struck me the most, is that people don't talk about that too much when they talk about Harry Potter. Right. Um, that this that was this idea is predicated on love, so I'd like to kind of start there if you want to talk about that a little bit and see. Well, first of all, what do you think it is that made Snape? What kind of love is this that he has for Lily? Because he doesn't get the girl, right? <laughs> so it's no, not like a, it's not that kind of love. No, it's kind of a residual love. I mean, right. so Lily, I mean, Lily is the unsung hero of the story in that. Uh, I mean, she inspires Slughorn. Uh, it's, it's the memory of Lily that prompts Slughorn to give up that crucial memory that he's so ashamed of, that which, which helps, uh, Harry and Dumbledore discover That's that right. it's down to those, you know, seven Horcruxes. Yes. Um, and she, obviously she inspires James to be a much better man than he was. Right. Him, he yes. Was kind of a, he was, he, he was a bit of a dick actually. Yeah. Just, That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and then her acceptance of Severus when he was this, you know, awkward adolescent right, right. boy who would seemed so dark and misfitty. And, uh-huh. and she, you know, and her kind, cheerful positivity. I mean, that memory of, of him and her, that their first earliest memory, she's mm-hmm. like f- literally flying off a swing. Uh, and, you know, Snape jumps in and, and like butts into their whole thing. And there's this conversation with her and her sister. But she's just such this positive, yeah, full yeah. of light person. Right, right. And then obviously her, it's her act of, extreme motherly love where oh, right, she right. Refuses. Her maternal love that yeah right where saves re- Harry. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Even when she had the option to flee. You know, Voldemort wanted her to, to run away because he didn't care if right. he didn't need her, whatever. Um, right. and so it's that that ends up giving Harry the uh, the ultimate edge over uh, right. Voldemort in the end as well. well. The way you've described her, she's very godlike or, you know, almost like, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with this woman right. at all. Definitely. Yeah. There's no, there's no I, I can't find any fault with this, <laughs> well, with and that's this the, person. That's the beauty of remembering <laughs> someone in retrospect, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like right, the most right. rosy eulogy you'd ever get. Right. Right. But in this case, I mean, she, she was enough of a, enough of a beautiful person uh-huh. to, to be, that inspiring to yeah. other people. Yeah. And that's, I mean, to, for her to have that effect on Snape is profound. It is very profound. And that's why I, that, that was what was my big takeaway because this is a person who, yeah, this is a, he didn't, like I said, he didn't get the girl. No. And not only that, 
the person that he this this person that he's you know putting up on this pedestal married a guy who was that was not cool to Snape at all, right, and at all. and and Snape was like, oh, this guy, oh, of all people, this guy, um, but that doesn't diminish his love for Lily, no, or um, his bravery or or anything else. In fact, maybe right. maybe it serves as as like an ultimate judge against his own character. Maybe he like he's able to actually see himself in the light of her criticism of him mm. because it's, at some point she finally turns to him and says like, look, I can't even, I can't hang out with you anymore. I don't like the people you spend time with uh, and the people I to hang out with are nothing like them. Right. And this is where we like, she, she tells him like, we're going separate ways this because you've chosen to diverge. be a death eater. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so maybe that, sort of self-reflection is what triggers him to to change as well. Right. Especially knowing that it was ultimately his fault that she's killed. Very true. So there's a so pretty it's not strong just, grief Yeah, there. so there's not only the love, but the moral compass that she provides for him as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And saying, this <laughs> is... compass a- and, and painful grief <laughs> and guilt. <laughs> the burning Catholic guilt that well, just I won't do- leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant by moral compass was this very simple idea that she represents this, right. you know, An ideal. this morality that is like, you know, wow, no, she she knew that my type or the people I was hanging around were not the right type of people, and I, you know, right. deep down I aspire to that or I admire that. So yeah, and and he he must have. Yeah. He he lives with her memory. Um, like just glorified and like he, yeah. he never lets it go. Right, he's, right. He's so taken by her forever, the whole time. Yeah, boy, I would love to hear uh, Snape have a soliloquy about Lily <laughs> and what is what, what that would be a good his one. memory be, means oh, yeah. to him. I don't. We, Rowling doesn't give us that. Um, what? Let's talk a little bit about Dumbledore though, because Dumbledore is oh, Dumbledore. Uh, another one who my favorite character s- seemingly is a, is is is. Lily-esque in his, mm. uh, you know, like his brilliance, you know, is always yes. good. But there are some, especially in this last one, when we get to find out about his brother and sister, that Dumbledore, uh, not not the guy on the pedestal, not the guy that maybe we uh, should hold up to such, you know. No, there's a lot of people I've heard being pretty critical of Dumbledore. Uh-huh. You know, I hear I hear people say how he uses people. Yes, um, he's he and I are the same enneagram. I don't know if you know that, but uh, both fives, and uh, so he's just this like very thoughtful, um, keeps to himself, uh-huh. plans things out, is willing to kind of use people as tools right. p- to some extent. Sure, and uh, and he's kind of a sucker for power. Like he doesn't, he he ultimately um, condemns himself when he tries to use the ring. He tries to use the, mm. the resurrection stone. And that's what curses his his himself, and then Snape comes and confines it to his hand and says, or sort of buys him some more time. Right. But it's this inescapable desire for power that yes. gets him in trouble with Grindelwald. That's what right. precipitates right. the the um, the downfall of his, of Ariana, his sister. That's right. I mean, there's he he just he feels so guilty about all that too. Right. Right. Um, yeah. There is there is that. There mm-hmm. is that. Um, but he is. Yeah, much, much more than the great wizard, you know, that that, that everyone loves and respects. Right. He's got a he's got a little bit of darkness. He's got a little shadow in him. He really, which does. I like. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a more 
Uh, you buy that character. Like, I, I uh-huh. buy that yeah, character. Yeah. I really, um, he's very believable. Mar- a lot more so than Snape, even. Mm-hmm. I don't, we were mm-hmm. talking about this before a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't actually buy Snape's character that much. Yeah. I, I understand yeah. his bitterness towards Harry. I understand a certain degree of, of trying to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand a certain degree of I've changed and I've recognized my faults and I'm willing to try to make them right. But I just feel like he's he's such an exceptional like the the kind of things that he did would require such extreme bravery from a man who really didn't have anything to lose, and yeah, so you don't yeah. like I don't see that very commonly, um, and maybe that's part of why Harry gives him that at the very end of the of, of um, the very end of the last book, at, at like nineteen years later when he's saying goodbye to his son at the at the platform nine and three quarters. Uh, his his son, I think they named him um, uh, Albus mm-hmm. Severus, you know, Potter or whatever. And he's, mm-hmm. he's you're named after two headmasters. And uh, the, the Slytherin was the bravest man I ever knew, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's his his one sentence summary of of Severus's character. And so, right, right. you know, maybe at, maybe on a level and a depth of heroism that I can't fathom, he he w- plays out, but. I just have a hard time believing it. Yeah, and the more you, t- I mean, I, I know we were talking about Dumbledore, and then we kind of bounced back right, to, to Snape bit. again. But I will say this because one of the things that you said made me think of this is that the part that isn't that makes me not buy him so much is that he doesn't have any. All the things that he's doing don't seem to be enough to sort of carry him forward. I don't know if I'm making that clear, but like it's like you know the. the the joy that he's getting or any kind of satisfaction, and we'll put that in quotation marks, mm-hmm. is all just for him. Like, it's just so personal to Snape. I don't yeah. know if it's enough. It's like entirely intrinsically motivated yes. by by grief and guilt. Right, and, and that he must feel this on a, you know, like, like no matter what happens, it all comes down to this idea, well, I loved Lily, and I made a promise, and I will do, you know, like, right. I, I don't know. That part does make it a little, I mean, I guess people can have that kind of, Commitment to uh, and maybe that's a cause or a, or a, or you know I mean he he was all in right yeah I mean oh he my was gosh. all in yeah and from, so from that moment but, on but again like for someone and I think you made me think about it when you talked about Dumbledore being hungry for power I mean we all want something yeah you know what yeah, I mean we, we all have, have we, that drive we us. yeah we have intrinsic motivations but we have extra, extrinsic motivations as well and for Snape nothing is you know, more important than his intrinsic motivation, which maybe makes him ring a little false. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, Rowling does that on purpose because, because Harry, you kind of see the flip side of love with him. So, so if Snape is the, um, the sweet sorrow, if, if he's the, 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 the tender pain of love, like the 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 that wounding that makes you feel so alive but hurts so deeply, right. you know. If if he's the embodiment of that and how much of a of a beautiful motivating factor that can be, Harry's and his relationship with Ron and Hermione is kind of the flip side of that. Mm-hmm. It's you know his his joy and satisfaction he gets from that relationship with them is the source of his Patronus. Mm-hmm. It's the the impetus behind his willingness to come back into the painful world after he's been killed. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's everything to him. Like that, that family connection, his love for Ginny, like those sort right, of positive right, motivate, right, those right. positive feelings yeah. are, are what propel him forward through, through life. Right. Right. And so maybe that's, maybe that's just 
trying to give a more rounded picture of love, mm-hmm. you know, because man, that pain, <laughs> that yeah. pain of love is, is a powerful motivator yeah, that's to be sure. A, that's a real one. And that's where, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about universal truths and, you know, that is a, that, that, that pain of love that, Oof. you know, love unrequited is, uh, is something that is, uh, <laughs> it's very universal, very human yeah, and the pain and the, you know, uh, the music that's been written about that. <laughs> right. You probably listen to those songs only with that as a theme for the rest of your life that's and not right. get through all of them. Yeah. No, that's, uh, no it's, oh, it's very man. true. When that relationship with whoever your significant other is, when that's not right, it's just, mm. oh, yeah. there's nothing more motivating to. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm even thinking of la- pa- past loves of mine going, oh, I can still feel it. Dip, bake, put it down in here. <laughs> it's still sore in there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. It'll yeah. take a piece of you for sure. It really does. Yeah. And so maybe, may, oh no, maybe Snape's got, maybe there's something to that. You know, I've yeah. never lost anyone that close to me. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never, well, yeah, I mean, I've never like been the cause of, of that sort of heartbreak right. for for myself, and, and I've never experienced that level of guilt. So, you know, maybe there's more to that. Yeah, I mean, that could be his. You know, that he he made a maybe a commitment in his mind that night that he would live through her or live like you know, like that his rest of his life would be devoted to her and her memory and whatever he could do to set things right. He would do. It brings uh, me brings to mind a Bible verse that is it says, "Greater love has no man than this." than he that would lay his life down for a friend. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I mean, I've, I've often heard that taught as like, you know, dying, sort of dying for someone, you know, jumping in, jumping in front of a car for them or whatever, taking the bullet. But but I think there's a deeper meaning to that where you, like Snape, he, he actually sort of dedicates the rest of his life mm-hmm. unto the memory of her yeah. and, and to uh, sort of, saving the one thing the the one remnant of her left in the world which is harry yeah yeah um, yeah and then greater love has no man than him <laughs> yeah. it's that's not a, this story that's so uh, so, <laughs> so true the uh if we come back to let's come back to dumbledore yeah let's come jump back so to dumbledore. what is uh i'm just gonna put you on the spot here what is the thing that you said he's one of your favorite characters so you know we talk on this podcast about people that we "Quote unquote," like you know, exhibit qualities that we admire and that we wish to you know um, uh, perpetuate in ourselves. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so. Yeah. So, what is it about Dumbledore that makes him your favorite, or that oh, one of your man. favorites? I, I mean, love Dumbledore. Yeah. He, so I, one just... of, I know one of the, one of them is the the T word. I want to talk about the T word, and that's trust. There's this issue mm-hmm. of trust, right? Yeah, he that, he trusts uh, deeply. So, so let's let's talk about that. I'll let you I'll let you riff on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore. Oh gosh, so I, there's so much I could say about Dumbledore. <laughs> but um, the so I'm not I so there, there's a few things that I feel like he does really well that I admire and I aspire to because they're weak points in mine. One of them is that he's he's profoundly humble in the midst of his excellence. Like he 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 there's no false humility in him. Uh, he on, on more than one occasion, like when they're when they're going into the um, the lake, uh, that that one of the Horcruxes is hidden, and uh, Harry's like, why why won't you let me let me drink the the potion? He's like, why do you have to drink it? He goes, because I'm much older, much cleverer, and much <laughs> less valuable than you. And all of those things are true. Like it's not there's not false humility there. Right, like right. guy's a brilliant wizard. Harry's a little above average. Yeah, you know, he's pretty talented, <laughs> but he's nothing special. 
Uh, but he's the key to everything. And you know, Dumbledore knows he's going to die. But he's so he he's got this deep awareness of mm-hmm. of what his faults are, as well as his uh, his assets, the things that he does well. And um, and so that's one thing I I just admire about him, and and right. I want I seek to um, to walk that out because mm-hmm. it's so hard. Because um, you're without you're inevitably going to have people um, like they're gonna you're, he's gonna always have his detractors who think he's this arrogant like he's got this big plan and he just throws other people under the bus like his brother Aberforth doesn't like how he acts at all and thinks he's conceited and Mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. thinks he's got all it all figured out and 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 some the reality is though he does like if it weren't for Dumbledore's machinations um, Voldemort would never have been defeated like Dumbledore had to have discovered he discovered two of those horcruxes Harry would have never found those. No, no. You know, and it was so much digging and so much work no, to no, pull No, Dumbledore off. was key to the, you know... Absolutely. The, the uh, removal of Voldemort, for sure. And the, the orchestrating of, of plots, like layers of plots. And, uh, and someone had to do that. Yeah, um, almost like a chess player-like. And very his, much know, thinking, so. Thinking of his next move. Right. Or three or four or five moves down the road there. And there's a certain confidence that he has to have to do mm-hmm. that. And, and that's that's tough to be in the face of all these people saying otherwise, but really they mm-hmm. actually don't know any better. You know, he yeah. actually does know better than anyone else. Right. And he's willing to take on the personal responsibility. Right. He's willing to risk losing these people he loves. You know, presumably he loves them. You know, he seems to kind of maintain some, some relational distance, which is, I mean, that's gotta be tough when you're yeah. you experiencing so much loss along the way. Right. But, uh, and he continues to trust these people close to him, despite mm-hmm. uh, despite betrayals and despite people like Voldemort initially, who just completely take advantage right. of his goodwill. That trust thing—that's why I kind of led with that. This idea about his that he trusts so deeply and yeah. trusts so thoroughly, um, <laughs> and and trusts himself to trust. You know, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that, that he's, uh, you know, no, I know I can trust this person. I mean, even the. You know, even relying on Snape, yeah. To, oh gosh, to, to, you know, to say, well, you know, again, we were talking about how we thought it was a little incredulous in ways, like well, really Seriously. all for this one memory of this one woman. Mm-hmm. But, 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 um, it's good as gold to Dumbledore. Oh yeah, for good Dumbledore, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not even doesn't doubt it one bit, right? Which is amazing to me, and yeah. I think that maybe that's another one of those things that allows Snape to live up to it because mm. you know how hard it oh, is yeah. to live up to an expectation that no one expects of you, right. versus when you've got someone you care about and admire uh-huh. who is who actually trusts you to to live up to something that maybe you don't even think you can, right? You know, I've I've had teachers who were like that, yeah, who just yeah. said, "Oh no, you can figure it out," and just kind of mm-hmm, let you do mm-hmm, it. And yeah. I had a shop teacher, uh, Mr. Kemp, yeah. and that guy, he trusted students. Yeah, uh, you know, with with all this ridiculous, dangerous <laughs> machinery, <laughs> around. super dangerous machinery. Yeah, sure. and a, so many cool projects got built. Yeah. Like Bear River had a yeah. killer ag program That's true. that whole time. That's true. While he was there, because That's right. kid, he just let kids build. Yeah, he let he did have that trust. Yeah, That's true. And I feel like Dumbledore does the same thing. Like mm-hmm. he lets the he he allows the the um, Hogwarts castle to be a dangerous place. Yeah. And uh, trust that the kids are going to be okay. That right. his staff are, are are good staff, and they're going to look mm-hmm, out for them. Mm-hmm. And the kids aren't going to get in too much danger, and they're going to learn. And they're going to yeah, they're going to get into a little bit of trouble. But 
I mean, heck, he even gives Harry the invisibility cloak, like as a as his first year there. Yeah, who gives yeah. a young boy the, yeah. the key to all mischief he could ever want no to get kidding. into? Right, it gives him one of the Deathly Hollows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know he had three of them in that. that I mean, he had them all at right, some point. He did, and and yet. You know, he just he gives it away. The the only one that the only one that's worth something, and he knows it. You know, he he knows that 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 hollow is the only one that's I uh, worth preserving, yeah. and yeah, and he gives it to Harry. That is interesting too that he had all those. He had control over death if he wanted it. If he had, it, yeah. yeah. And right? so the, there in the book, there's a beautiful page where he's describing. He's actually talking to Harry. Um, He's actually talking to Harry about the Hallows because Harry asks him asks him about uh-huh. him. And I think it's when they're in King's Cross. He's uh, after Harry's struck down, yeah. and uh, Dumbledore is is talking to him and says, "Look, Harry, you have become the master of death, not because you have more power than death, but because you are willing to accept it. Well, you accepted yeah. it willingly, and and he uh, chides himself in that moment that he says, "I wasn't willing to. to I was never. He he says that he was never worthy of the Hallows." And he proved it to himself when he um, when he found the resurrection stone, mm-hmm. and he wanted so desperately right. to have his mom and, and sister back yeah, with him, yeah. and so that and that of course that leads to his death, his untimely death. Yeah, um, and so so he's like you know doting on Harry, saying how he's such a better man than him in, mm-hmm. on some level, in that Harry was willing to to walk he he to use the resurrection stone in order to empower him to accept his own death rather than to try and bring people back from the dead. Right. Which is, I, ah, man, that's such a beautiful, it's just yeah, a beautiful way to look at it. It is. It's, so I'm, I'm loving this guy more and more now too. Oh man. <laughs> he's, he's such a rich character. So he's the, he's the best example of a, um, in my opinion, of a man who inspires people uh, as a leader, uh-huh. inspiring people, uh, pupils or others below uh-huh. him following who he's responsible for, uh-huh. inspiring them to their best, to become their best. Right. Man. So like uh, if if a leader, if a, if a teacher, so I think of myself as a teacher, like yeah. fundamentally, uh-huh. if, a, if a teacher, um, if their job is to advance their students the greatest Possible to the greatest degree. If mm-hmm. their job is to to bring them from where they are the farthest forward they can to sort of allow their students to reach whatever their potential could be. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like Dumbledore does that more effectively than any leader yeah. I've ever come across yeah. in in literature, short of maybe Ender from Ender's Game. Yeah. And he does that by by trust, right? He does it by such by such kindness, even like the, yes. like like with the, with such great heart too, mm-hmm. and gentleness. I, I, yes, and those aren't, aren't usually things that you know certainly you not associate Ender. with it. Yeah, I was thinking when you said Ender, I was like, wait a minute, he was uh, <laughs> sort of bullied into that whole right uh, thing. But uh, yeah, like you said, okay, so I agree with what you said a hundred percent about the way that he inspires people to be the best people they can be, mm-hmm. um, and he does that. But but he does it with with love and with kindness and with goodness at heart. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's lovely. It really yeah, is. Yeah, he does it in the most gentle way. Gentleness, you know, It's too, very, right. like, hands-off in, in a mm-hmm, lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, his, the, the analogy of Hogwarts, in my mind, is, is like the Garden of Eden. It's a, it's a walled garden. It's a place where there's just the right balance of chaos and order mm. to, for, for maximal growth of the individual. Right. You know, the individual has the ability and the freedom to get into a lot of trouble, to experience a lot of danger and a lot of discomfort, to, to be to be pressed into learning new things with all these teachers that push their students hard. Right. And and there, there's the dangers, there's like actual literal physical dangers. Sure. So you're gonna take risks. 
And so there's the, but, but you also, all these kids have their own agency and he kind of lets them live their lives and lets them get through and lets them, you know, find trouble and hang out with Hagrid, who is a, you know, (laughs) most people see as completely irresponsible, you know, and he lets the freaking, uh, peeves this, this ghost that's just always stirring up trouble. Let's him just wander through the hall. And I think that's that trust that he has. It's his trust that, that yes, that people can handle a little bit of, yeah. Peeves and a little bit of Hagrid and a little bit of, you know, like it doesn't, I'm not trying to shelter these people, yes. I, you know, I'm, I, but he trusts that even what will be challenging or difficult or even will make them better in the will, end. Will be, will, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, he allows a lot, he, he allows in a lot of chaos that is in a lots of small instances, instances of chaos and that makes everyone resilient to for those large moments of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could the the world that Umbridge would have created, like if she had been headmaster for mm-hmm. three or four years, mm-hmm. would have been so stunted. You know, no one would have known how to actually defend against right. Death Eaters. No one would have had the experience to do anything useful. Right. All of the everyone in that everyone in that school would have become sitting ducks for right. the war when Voldemort finally come. Yeah. You know, like they would have been worthless. And yet, because of Dumbledore's allowance for, for all of the, the chaos of, of the many factors and people and, and enmity, I mean, I can't believe, like, he lets the Slytherins just be there, for one. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, that's absurd to me. Well, it is in a way, but, I mean, it goes with what we've talked about before in this podcast about this, in, you know, the embracing of the shadow. I mean, yeah, he knows that there's this there's Slytherin in everybody. I mean, and there's, <laughs> <laughs> right, and if you hide it away, it's, just, it's still right, there. Like, right, right, right. It'll you, still you can, emerge. You can pretend it doesn't exist, or you can, right. you know, we can stop that house or cut that one out of the whole thing, but <laughs> it's there, you know. Yeah, right. Might as well have it out might front well and center. Have it, might as well acknowledge it. There's a thing that um, Dumbledore talks about a lot, or that, comes up a lot. And it's this idea of not sharing the knowledge. And I especially noticed it with Deathly Hallows about how, how could you go trust this guy so much? He didn't tell you so much. He, yeah. he, he withheld so much from you, this knowledge withheld. Now, I think that we understand it as knowledge withheld for a reason. There was no, sure. there, there was, it was very deliberate on what was withheld. But the fact that it is repeated often is it is one of those signs in literature where you yeah. kind of go, okay, what what is Rowling getting at by the this idea that that's a criticism that, that's um, leveled lev- against, against Dumbledore against over Dumbledore over. by other character? Yes, that, that his lack of, of transparency, mm-hmm. his lack of sharing knowledge that you know could very well be helpful. Right. Uh, you know, we could say, well, he knows best. So, you know, sure. but, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's a that's a tough one because that kind of goes against this idea that he trusts. But um, I think it also is, I think it's probably, I think really the, the deeper reality there is that he knows, he knows the analysis paralysis and, and he, he's familiar with, um, I think he's just so deeply aware of what knowledge does to people mm-hmm. because he's got more of it than anyone else. Mm, okay. And, and he's probably more aware of what, what if someone actually needs to know than, than they would be. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of things that Harry, like for example, uh, Dumbledore doesn't let Harry know about the Hollows. He doesn't. He's not explicit about it. He right. he drops a very subtle hint to Hermione, to eat bef- and then of course Hermione kind of gets to the bottom of it eventually. She doesn't believe it, but but his whole reason of just subtly dropping it to Hermione rather than just telling Harry about him 
was that he he was worried that Harry would try to seize the hollows for himself, just like Dumbledore did. Right. And of course, when Harry first actually finds out about the hollows, he's obsessed about them for about a week, mm-hmm. and he can't think something about it. Keeps talking about it. He wants to. He's in, he's supposed to be looking for Horcruxes, for Horcruxes. Yeah, right? Yeah. But he, he's just obsessed about the hollows. Right. That just takes his whole attention away from the Horcruxes right. completely. Yeah. Which leads me to think that you know I yeah. think Dumbledore knew what right. they could handle and what they couldn't. And I think that's you know, and I think it is trust. I think it's trust in himself that he that he knows that this is the right way to do this. Yeah. Is that I'm not going to reveal what I what I know and I, or when I know it or, you know. Well, that or, and when you're uh, dealing with a dark lord who can read people's minds so clearly, it's <laughs> yeah. it's certainly advantageous to have people know as little as possible. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyone who gets caught and tortured is is liable to give away as much as they know. Oh yeah. And so that gets well, to be sketchy. What about um Snape's comment? about kind of resonated with me when he talks about how, you know, you, you, you treated that boy, you, you, uh, basically raised him like a, was it a lamb for yeah. slaughter, a pig for slaughter, which is true. I and mean, he knew that Harry would have to die, yep. um, in order for Voldemort to die. He knew that. Now I can see why that knowledge is withheld from Harry. I mean, that would, <laughs> you know, right. that wouldn't be, uh, it'd be but, a hard thing to live with that, you know, what is that? It's sort of Damocles over your head the whole time. Yeah. So I, I just wonder about that one because I wonder how Dumbledore was able to justify, I mean, like just to continue moving on. I mean, I guess it, I guess we could simplify it and say, well, it's all for the greater good. I mean, yes, one person, yeah, it has to, you know. Yeah. So, but but uh, to take such care and love that I think Dumbledore definitely has towards Harry and knowing that right. this is uh, someone who's going to, I mean, you know, that's the, at he- the end of the plan is is. Uh, it's how he excuses himself in that conversation with Harry at the end of uh, the Order of the Phoenix. Because at the end of Order of Phoenix, it, Harry's finally sitting face-to-face with Dumbledore after after um, Sirius is dead, and, and Dumbledore has been ignoring him for the whole year, hasn't even looked at him. Mm. Of course, it was because Dumbledore realized that, that um, Harry had a connection with Voldemort and that every time... Uh, they made eye contact. Voldemort was sort of starting to seize control in some sense, and mm-hmm. so he had his reasons. But um, but he he sort of un- unfolds to Harry why he was waiting. Like he 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 finally has the conversation he says he should have had very early on. That that look, you're the this prophecy has made it clear that you actually have to be the one to kill Voldemort, mm-hmm. and you know, and neither one, uh, neither can survive while the, right. the, the other, while the other lives. lives. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Neither can live while the other survives, and and so he finally has this conversation with Harry, and he just goes into depth about how really he just couldn't imagine burdening him with with more than what he already was burdened with being coming from such a rotten family and right. having to deal with the things he had to deal with in school mm-hmm. which were i mean far and beyond what any reasonable or any child should reasonably expect in their own life let alone you know four years five years six years in a row yeah yeah and so yeah i mean it's the the errors that he makes the errors that Dumbledore makes i feel are they seem so excusable to me mm-hmm. like and and maybe it's just that i'm i'm so much more prone to excuse someone's errors when they when they are aware of them and they confess to them voluntarily and they show remorse immediately it's like i don't i don't really have any problem forgiving and and minimizing those sorts of errors dramatic though they may be mm-hmm. um, when when someone is so acutely aware of it because yeah it's just it's not that harmful at that point like when you realize you've made a mistake, 
and you can own it, it's like your your chances of making that mistake again, I feel like, are fairly... Diminished greatly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Yeah, and even yeah. if you make it again, it's because you know that you're just not capable. Like, we're not we're not dictators of our own will. You mm-hmm. know, like, I'm, there are things I do that I don't want to do, and and I for whatever reason I just don't have the will at all times to mm-hmm. to resist. Right. And so I I don't have I I'm I'm so much more forgiving of those sorts of errors. And I feel like Dumbledore he does that to himself and and I think Harry too is so quick to let him off of some of those right. things despite that he's got these serious flaws. Sure. You know, and you know you've got someone with a with a rotten heart when you like Rita Skeeter, who is trying to dig up these flaws from Dumbledore's you know childhood right. when he was seventeen, right. and trying to you know put it in his biography. Oh my gosh, yeah, she's yeah. trying to like ruin his reputation yeah. in the hearts and minds of millions of people right, right. because of something that was misrepresented from from you know eighty years ago. Right, right. And that's that's such a harsh way to deal with people. I feel right. like it's so it's such a it's so unforgiving. Well, we have an unforgiving culture that's happening now, but I also feel like we do have a large capacity for forgiveness and understanding. And and um, we need to. Uh, we we need to. And I really believe that if that if there's a message in there somewhere from Rowling, it's we need to. It's yeah. it's not let's hold grudges. Let's not let uh, someone's one and done. No, no. I think we. Uh, you know, there is that whole thing about, like you were saying, if someone's acutely aware of their uh, mistakes and they show remorse, you, you, you look at them and say, you know, I, I feel like they're going to be a better person after this. Most people, I mean, it's very human to, to forgive yeah. Because I think we see that in ourselves. We see things like, well, you know what? I had a hard time controlling that. You mentioned like you know, there's, you know, right. I, 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 I think we see, we see our, yeah, we see ourselves in those people who slip up sometimes and say, oh, there, but for the grace of God, go, ah, you know, that, that could be me. I could do that too. I think we see that. And so I think that people, I mean, I look at this, um, I look at the story of Michael Vick, who was the football player who right. had the, who did the dog fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where where it was it was reprehensible, and it was there was no really good way to look at that. You know, there's no 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 positive spin you can put on that yeah. one. And so the Very guy went to jail. Wrong. The guy did some, uh, um, you know, s- spoke about it, showed remorse. I think it was genuine remorse. Um, did some kind of you know public service that was around the condemnation of dog fighting. And was actually basically forgiven and welcomed back into the NFL, and you know, yeah. years later. Um, and no one. And I just thought it was kind of nice, you know what I mean? They're like, all right, that's that's okay. Like people I like to see that in public on I, the public I, arena. Yeah, I do too. I think that there's, you know, I mean, I don't know about Martha Stewart if we can throw her in there too. <laughs> but I remember she had remember she had her legal troubles and yeah. she got thrown in jail for insider trading while. and something like that. And she kind of. She she kind of did her time, and then she spoke about it. And I don't know if she was as uh, as uh, repentant, maybe as uh, as Michael Vick was. But I liked it. I, I I like the way that that, pan, that 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 plays out. That people are willing to forgive. Yeah. So it's I, it's so sad that that's that's just not that's not the culture, the climate of today. No, we're seeing in twenty twenty, or you know, basically in the past few years, we've seen a, a, the opposite of that happen. Oh man, and it's Where, it's the opposite yeah. on two different levels because on one level you've got people like politicians who like Trump, who who basically no matter what mistake they make, they don't admit to it, mm-hmm. they deny or they minimize mm-hmm. and they just ignore it, and 
and that allows the the mob to go past in some sense like if you because that that the other flip side of that um pathology is that okay say someone does uh fess up to to doing something wrong i mean there's this horrible story i think it was on npr of uh this political leader in canada who accidentally bumped someone's breast like when they were walking down the hall and he kind of tripped and it was it it got on video and it was kind of sad and she was a little bit hurt but she was fine i mean like Mm -hmm. it was a fairly minimal thing and he apologizes over and over and over and over and over again and it for just this nothing (laughs) issue like and and his whole political career goes to crap Mm. over it i mean it's it's so it's so ruthless it's so ruthless that's a great that's a good adjective and i don't want ruthless no (laughs) No, (laughs) there's no room for growth no no you uh no we yeah this cancel culture thing has it's probably one of the scariest things i've come across in in recent times it is scary Um, it's terrifying where does it end well because like i said like the people who you know we not that i'm into dog fighting but i can see myself and michael vick and you should see yourself and michael vick too the guy who made a mistake we all make mistakes you know what i mean maybe they don't have the gravity of of criminal you know of a criminal nature very few of us have enough money to make mistakes uh, that publicly right (laughs) sure but i mean we i think that's where I think that's where the forgiveness comes in because we realize that could be me or that could, do, you know. And so when we see someone make a mistake and they are just crucified for it and and, and done, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're 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 you know the guy who wrote about, um, and it was probably foolish of him to put it on Facebook, but I guess the guy said when they had the women's march that was going on, oh, yeah. I happened to say something like, "Well, I think the women's march is a stupid idea." <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, that's, that's yeah, to me. It? I'm thinking that's one person's opinion. opinion. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm, like, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I don't, you know. So, I'm, but uh, the guy, someone found out that he owned a, a restaurant and a bar, and uh, pretty soon they're not going to give him food anymore. And now the beer people who used to give him beer, we're not doing that anymore. We we're not going to align ourselves with this guy. He's a horrible person. Uh, and the guys kind of go, what, 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 what happened? I just made this common i didn't think the women's march was so great and pretty soon the guy's lost his business and he's i'm like wow wow yeah (laughs) right how about someone saying well let me tell you why i think the women's march is a great idea and then if the guy comes around he comes around if he doesn't so what it's like can't we just have people who don't think the women's march is a good idea yeah i mean right is that okay (laughs) does that person have to yeah why is that an offense punishable by you know Like loss of liberty and pursuit of happiness. Uh, it's like, ah, oh, yeah. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I know we've, we've, we've digressed a little bit from uh, Potter. Let's let's come back to... Yeah, uh, well, I want to tie that, that idea back to Potter because uh-huh. you see something play out similarly, right? You've got, um, in this world run by Voldemort, he's his influence and, and the, the threat of... In his case, it's like death, right? right? The, the threat of, of death and dismemberment and pain and suffering that he rules by mm-hmm. is, is essentially no different than the threat of the mob. It, it's, it's very much a, hey, I have way more power than you or anyone else right, alive. And therefore, right. if, you don't, if you don't play yeah. along to what I want, yeah, yeah. Then, then you will suffer the consequences. Right. And so that's Join what, me or suffer. Exactly. Join yeah. me or suffer. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's 
that's a that's its own type of tyranny. Yeah. And and that's the danger of this sort of cancel culture thing is okay, you anyone who is is a dissonant voice is right. in danger. Right. So even yeah. these, you know, people who are relatively middle of the road, they're like, yeah, okay, I I can I can see why I mean, obviously what that guy said was wrong and it's like I and you know, maybe maybe he deserves that, but you know, uh, I don't agree with everything that they're saying, and mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the more reasonable center folk, um, they they feel like they're safe right now, and and you might stay safe by laying low, just like you know some of the, those in the magical world might stay safe by laying low, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. You don't. You for one, you don't become a hero. You know, those are not the stories that people tell and mm-hmm. read and inspire. The the people who are inspiring are, are people like Fred and George. You know, people who maintain their cheerful dissonant attitude no matter what the threat is right. you know they're they're got their radio station that changes every week so they don't get you know they don't get <laughs> destroyed uh, the the order of the phoenix is this dissonant group of people mm-hmm. who have just decided not to cave to the power and yeah. they know we'll probably all die you right. know, half the order was gone from the last time Voldemort was there that's true but they're they're people who have committed to accepting people wherever they're at mm-hmm. you know I love that they bring Mundungus in like Mundungus yeah. is no hero you know no. he's no admirable right. person right but but he's chosen to join them and they let him in and they trust yeah. him and, and right. they involve him in that's these a great plans. point that's a great like, point yeah that and that's the only way to that's the only way to defeat these sorts of things mm-hmm. um I mean, like that's that's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful opportunity, a beautiful image, and the the people who stay still they don't you don't make history, you know that's right. that's not a way to leave a legacy. That's no. a, that's a way to, no. to to die feeling like you've not lived up to your potential. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, no, I think that's wonderful. We brought that back uh, to that because I agree completely with that. I agree completely. I'm gonna try and find a quote here. Um, I want to take it a little bit different different strand, but it's something that. I feel like Harry Potter does brilliantly. It's a it's a story. So one of the one of the I think most beautiful metaphors that that is told uh, throughout the Harry Potter series is is this metaphor. Uh, or, or she sets up. It's not really a metaphor. It's it's a um, when you've got two things right next to each other and allows you to see the comparison to uh, them. Like a juxtaposition. A juxtaposition, uh-huh. that's the word I was looking for. Uh-huh. So she, she juxtaposes a tyrannical leadership mm-hmm. with uh, a healthy leadership throughout the series. And in, in the last two, um, two books especially, mm-hmm. you start to see this, you start to really nail down what it is about tyranny versus what it is about proper leadership that is, um, and what that looks like on, on the world stage. And so Dumbledore, Dumbledore makes this quote. He, he asks Harry, do you have any idea how much tyrants feel, fear that? Do you have any idea how much tyrants fear the people they oppress? Because he was talking about Voldemort and in this realization that it was following up a, a statement where he said that tyrants create their own worst enemies. Like they create their own downfall. And, and Harry Potter is a great example of that because Obviously, Voldemort chose him. He singled him out when there could have been a couple of different people. He tried to kill him, and in killing him, he empowered Harry to with with the magic that he needed to actually destroy Voldemort. He also seeded within within him the vengeance, the the righteous vengeance that was his uh, in order to uh, avenge his parents who was killed, who were killed. Uh, like he he set up his own downfall mm-hmm. in the process of oppressing people. Right. And it's Absolutely. like uh, I think of it like a 
uh, it's my nerd coming out, but I think of it like a like creating a, a chemical gradient. Like when you've got when you've got a, a, a an even distribution of a variety of chemicals in a fluid, then then there's no potential energy there. But like a battery, you put a bunch of energy into it and it'll separate it out yeah. and, and it creates a gradient. And so a tyrant by by enforcing their will on the public, they're like applying energy to a battery and you you get this gradient that is this yeah. back pressure that's always there. Yeah. And the harder they push against their people, the right. more back pressure they get and the more volatile the more dangerous they get to the tyrant themselves nice. um, i like that yeah it's really it was a i just i love that that point yeah that, it's so true and in and voldemort this is where this is where her brilliance um not voldemort but this is where Rowling's brilliance, brilliance uh-huh. comes through it plays out on like there's the big picture of voldemort which is almost archetypal like he's an archetypal bad guy yeah. tyrant there's no redeeming anything but then she has this sort of subtle narrative with the wizards and these other uh, minority groups of intelligent beings. So you've got the house elves and you've got the, the yeah. uh, centaurs and you've got the mm-hmm. giants. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, who else? There's the, the spiders. Like uh, there's all these different groups who historically the wizards have actually oppressed. Oh, the goblins. So the, uh, yeah. there's all these different groups. So the, the goblins were there. They don't get along with the wizards. They were kind of, they have a whole different philosophy. They build stuff and they figure that whatever they build is the property of the builder, no matter who buys it from them. Right. And when someone buys it, they, they think of it like it's on loan, but the wizards think it like it's theirs. <laughs> right. And so it creates this tension and there's a lot of dissonance there. Yeah. And then there's the obviously the giants who the who the the wizards couldn't have them around because they're just too too dangerous. Mm-hmm. So they cast them out to live by themselves in this little corner of land, and they almost kill each other off. Yeah. And then that's what it's that ill ill will against the wizards as right. a whole that allows Voldemort mm-hmm. to use them against the right. wizarding community. It sort of grows and yeah, strength and it's, uh, power and passion. Yeah, 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 just simmers and, and yep. resentment builds. And house elves are another one where you've got creature who's just so vicious, <laughs> right? Just this mean, mean creature, uh, and and but they're so powerful, and right. and Voldemort underestimates how powerful these yeah. house elves are. But well, look at Dobby. Dobby. Dobby becomes a huge hero, right? He? And yeah. it's Harry's treatment of all of these groups right. in their own individual. Like it's Harry is so accepting of them. Right. Like he, he sees them with these youthful eyes, kind of like John Rawls in the uh, the, the the blind state, the where he he just sees them all as yeah. they're just intelligent people. Right, they're just like right. me. They're just people. Yeah, yeah. And and he's kind to Grop Hagrid's you know goofy brother, and he's kind to Hagrid, who's kind of an outcast and. And right. Dumbledore does the same. He kind of fosters all of these groups, even the ghosts. You know, like oh, he's yeah. just gentle yeah. and accepting. Oh, of them. the acceptance is huge there. Yeah, no, that's uh, and that's. Gosh, you, t- you talk about that, and then you think about people who are accusing Rowling of being, you know, like you know, not accepting oh of gosh. certain types yeah, of people minorities, and stuff. Yeah, and some like, transphobic, are you whatever. Me? Because the hero of her story is one of the most accepting persons ever right you know, and in it's, literature it's, it's and, the, and, and, and does it without batting an eye i mean he's uh-huh. doesn't even 
doesn't make a big deal about right. it. Right. You know it's so mean? subtle. It's just innate. So right. come on. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's what a, makes Dumbledore such a great leader. Like that's yeah. why he's so much not the tyrant. He doesn't right. tyrannize anybody. Right. He allows each to shine in their own way. Yeah. He he speaks mer like the mer language to the mermaids. <laughs> right. And, and he's you know, he allows Hagrid to have his vicious arachnid Aragog <laughs> <in> right, right. <laughs> out in the forest. And, yeah. Uh, he just lets lives and lets live. Yeah. Um, and that, and in in his the moment of need, in the moment where where the true tyrant is is finally ready to crush yeah. the rebellion completely, all of these groups come together and overwhelm right. the Death Eaters. Yeah. You know, even before Harry gets up out of Hagrid's arms, they're all swooping in. That's you know, it. The giants are coming in. Yeah. And, and the, the centaurs are coming out of the forest, and it's this beautiful. I and and uh, Dumbledore's funeral is another one of those moments. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where there's all these groups that come together and mm-hmm. mourn this man who, yeah. who really loved them all. Right, right. Xenophilius Lovegood <laughs> is another one. I mean, he's just totally accepting of, I and mean, he's kind of he's kind of batty, but he's yeah. you know his name Xenophilius. Yeah, like, I was gonna say. Wait a second, he's got the ironic name right. for, for that. Yeah, I mean not ironic. It's like literally what his name <laughs> is: lover of all races. Yeah. Um, and he's you know he's a hero as well in in the story, despite yeah. the fact that you know he's he sort of has to betray Harry uh, when his daughter is taken. But those, I mean, that that is the story of the, the over, the one who overcomes the tyrant is the one who can accept everyone. Yeah. You know, the one who can, who has the ability to, to bring, to unite people, but not in fear and not in, right. in rage and not in political passion, but the one who, who unites people in, in love by letting them be and letting them, be who they are and encouraging that yeah. is the one who who ultimately comes out victorious. Like that is the hero. And that's a beautiful thing. It is. I think oh. that's terrific. Man, I, think I that's was wonderful. I was balling at work. I was yeah. sitting here running a chainsaw in some of these moments listening to the book and yeah. just like stop start crying. It was, oh, it's powerful. Oh, stuff. It is. It really is. But it's great. I, th- I love that. It's something I think we we need more of right now. Oh, for sure. For you know, sure. We're, we're more divided than than ever. And, yeah, yeah, this yeah. idea of acceptance and letting people be who they who they're going to be. Right. And then and then trusting that that's going to be okay. That that I mean that that trust thing that you know, I think we all second guess ourselves, you know? I mean, we think like, oh, I'm going to do this and then oh, is this the right thing? And we didn't you know, Dumbledore doesn't second guess. Now, when we talk about the trust that he has in people, that's one thing, but he also trusts himself that this is what I'm doing is right and you know, if I'm living the right way, it's it's and and I try to do that as well. I mean, I try to say, right. I'm gonna do the best I can and try to be the best person I can be, and I'm just gonna trust that that's that things so are gonna work out enough. okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I how much I can you worry about to, what's right. out of your control? Yeah. So, uh, but the idea that that you know what the heroes that it, that emerge from this story are all really really good people. And goodness prevails in this story in so many different ways other than the defeat of Voldemort. You know right. what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. the, So goodness prevails is a theme that exists, but it, but exists on hundreds of levels in this, in this mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Rather yeah. than just the, the main one that we right. think about. Yeah. And, and even, even the main heroes in this, Harry, Hermione, and Ron, aren't, there aren't even necessarily like 
good people in the sense that like Gandhi's mm-hmm. a good person. They're not yeah. like some moral authority per se. Right, right. You know, Harry's got he makes his mistakes. They they kind of they bicker and fight a lot oh, sure. throughout yeah, the series. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're they they are mean to each other yeah. and, and and selfish and, and they're yeah. they're very human characters. They're very human. I love the way that when Ron disappears for a few weeks and he comes back and she lets him have it. She's like, right. oh, are you kidding me? I think I'm gonna run and gr- I'm gonna curse throw my you. arms yeah. around you. Yeah. And you know, it's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Um yeah, they're superhuman. I mean yeah. I mean they are very human is yeah. what i was getting at and that's yeah i, I, I love that about you yeah. know that's where and i'm reading a i'm yeah. reading a superhero oh, comic yeah. right now or not a comic it's actually a pretty good little novel i'm reading but it's a about a person who had n- these newly discovered superpowers but there's something when someone has superpowers that sort of like mm, takes them out of the realm of the <laughs> of the average person right. you know what i mean so that's why i look at ron and hermione and Harry too, I mean, as they, they, they have, have they have powers, yes, but they are same you know, as they're, else. Yes, they're just yeah. pretty flawed in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think kids we, too. Yeah, yeah, and they and they interact like kids. And Half Blood Prince is is such a fun story because it's where it's where that sexuality really comes alive uh-huh, in, yeah. in the three of them, and it's, right. it's that plays out in such a fun way. Yeah, and it's so real. It's like it's, it's so such... real. Well, I mean, think about the the when you know when he's wearing the. The Horcrux when it brings out right. the irritability in you, uh-huh. and, then, and then when he um, when he has that vision right before he destroys it right. of, of of Harry and and, and uh, Hermione, and Hermione yeah. which is every boy's you know like Ugh, nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I mean like the, the here's the girl I love, and she likes another guy. Yeah, I mean, there's his best this, uh, friend, and it's my, and they <laughs> yeah. resent him for even being there. Yeah, and and it's like it's, oh. yeah, I mean, there's so many. We've talked fear. about this before, like that. There's so many crimes that are committed, so many things that have happened because of that sexual jealousy, yeah. which is at the heart of so many, you know, relationship issues and problems that exist. And so to have her explore that and say, no, these are real people. Mm-hmm. This is what ha- these are what <laughs> these are what real people <laughs> what concern like. themselves with. This yeah. is what this is a this is a worry for real people. Yeah, and um, it's, a, it's a worry that's powerful enough that even Voldemort can understand it and play use it to to play against someone. Right. But he right. under again he underestimates the love. He underestimates the the depth of friendship that Harry and Ron yeah. have. Yeah, and that's a that's a beautiful thing too. Yeah. That platonic love is, mm-hmm. you know, that love. There's the you know the, the sensual sexual love, and then there's that platonic love or right. agape, right? Is that what yeah, they right. Right. <laughs> the Greek word? Yeah, yeah which is, uh, and I think this novel speaks to that a great deal as well. It really does. There's a, there's the agape love for Dumbledore that Harry has, and for Dumbledore's Ron, man through and through. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a, that that's that uh, that unconditional sort of pure love. It's, I'll be there with you to the end, no mm-hmm. matter what it looks like. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, and I love that. That's enough for Harry, and that's actually what. So there's this um, callback to the first book where Harry comes across the mirror in that room in Hogwarts, and from the very first story, he comes across this mirror that shows you what you want most. Should, so, so he sees his family. He sees he? his parents. Yes, yeah. yes. And and Dumbledore comes up behind him, and uh, and Dumbledore is just in awe that that's what Harry sees. Like of all the things, it's not riches or power or glory. I think Ron ends up seeing himself as like the cat. <laughs> team captain of some Quidditch team with all of his family <laughs> cheering for him and stuff. Yeah. But but Harry just, he has this deep love for his parents who he doesn't yeah. know and wants to know. And there's nothing he wants more. And it's that, um, 
you know, that's that's how that's like the the confirmation that Dumbledore gets that Harry actually is, is the character who's gonna be able to right. do it, who's gonna be able to right. you know, to to deal with the Deathly Hallows properly and right. and to uh to make it through with his friendships intact and, and right. to value those things that are worth that are actually worth valuing above right. everything right. else. Yeah. And it's funny because Harry asked Dumbledore what he sees. Oh, and he and Dumbledore makes up some totally silly answer because he would he wouldn't he it's such a personal question. Right. But Dumbledore knows in himself that actually that's not what he values most. It's not relational. It's power. It's actually, yeah. you know, it's uh, I, you know, wanting to be able to have his family backed in some sense, but right. they, you know, and wanting to do it with power rather than just by love. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so rich. There's so much to that. Absolutely. Um, yes, he says very few wizards would have ever seen that when he's talking about talking to Harry about that about vision. the fact that he saw his parents. Yeah, yeah. There's there's one other there's one other line that I think is just brilliant. Right. So this is actually I think it's from the Half Blood Prince, but it's mm-hmm. it's right after they uh, Dumbledore reveals the the prophecy, and so there's a little bit of fate free will. Uh, play in this. So, so f- through most of this story, Rowling, uh, Rollins really, um, she really emphasizes the free will aspect. Like mm-hmm. Harry is given a lot of choices and he becomes the hero because he chooses not to do the thing that he knows right. he shouldn't. Uh-huh. Uh, even though he doesn't know what he should do a lot of the time, but he right. chooses not to do the things he knows he shouldn't there very go. often, uh-huh. again and again. Good distinction. Sure. Yep. And, and that's, that's, that's a very powerful claim if it's true, mm-hmm. you know, like can I become a hero simply by not doing the things I know I shouldn't do? Mm-hmm. Maybe Rawlings claim I think is that yes. I think that it is an emphatic yes. Yeah. Actually. Like, that will take you to, to great places. Right. But there's, um, the, she plays a little bit with the free will thing with this prophecy, right? So this prophecy sort of triggers Voldemort's, uh, it becomes self-fulfilling in some sense. So Voldemort hears about the prophecy, and then because he hears about it, he goes and, and ends up attacking Harry and his parents and then creates the fulfillment of it by by right. because he heard it. It's a little <laughs> bit of one of those chicken or the egg things. Yeah, that's a story as old as time. Yeah. And it, the, the prophecy comes. Someone tries to stop the prophecy. <laughs> the prophecy happens anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, <laughs> it's a pretty routine trope. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Dumbledore was, was talking to Harry about this because Harry's feeling kind of fake fatalistic about his lot in life at this point. And he goes, you're putting too much emphasis on, on the prophecy because when you think about it, it was, it's, it's not relevant. The prophecy is not relevant. Could he, would you, could you, and he kind of asked him, would, can you imagine a world where you didn't go after Voldemort? And, and he right. sits there and like introspects for a moment and realizes, no, I, I won't be settled. I could never live with myself if I didn't try to confront right. him. Yeah. And Voldemort feels the same way. Like he can't li- feel like he can live without confronting Harry. Yeah. So they're gonna confront each other. Right. Like prophecy or no, that's what's prophecy gonna happen. Or no. Sure. Yeah. And so what what Harry says, um, or what Voldemort says, is that going voluntarily to confront him and 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 charging into it, uh, knowing that that's what you've chosen to do, is is the difference between being dragged into the arena to face a battle to the death and walking into the arena with your head held high. And there's all the difference in the world, you know, like that's, 
um, I get chills just thinking about it because yeah. the the mentality is so is so different. A- approaching a challenge from a fatalistic perspective, like I'm thrust into this and yeah, I have no choice, have and no I'm choice. a boat tossed on the ocean, versus the same boat with your sails up and your hand on the rudder right. with a goal where you're trying to go and you mm-hmm. and you take it on voluntarily, even if you're even if it wasn't voluntary. Because that's the thing with Harry is like, he he didn't really have a choice in that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, his path was set for him. It very much was. And yet he still chooses to choose it. Right. You know, and... and That's huge. Yeah, that's that's something that, that I think... That's probably one of my one of my big takeaways is that I want to I want to have the mentality that I am choosing to choose my outcomes right. even when I don't even when yeah. I can't oh yeah yeah because it's um it is it's the difference between if it's the difference between be, being a victim of my circumstance and being uh, Maximus from Gladiator yeah. you know he was there <laughs> it was thrust upon him and yeah. yet he charged in the arena like it was his Every place time, yeah. yep, it yeah. is his home it is what he does and and so to choose to choose to choose yeah. is uh, it, it's a, there's a big shift there and psychologically there's there's actually a difference oh, yeah, to it too sure. like your body physiologically deals with that sort of uh, circumstance differently there's there's like the fight or flight circuitry in mm-hmm. your brain yeah is is intense it's stressful it's that's what happens when sent when a when a uh, evolutionarily speaking when like a predator shows up in your periphery mm-hmm. you you go into fight or flight and the same thing can happen in a circumstance like a predatory mm-hmm. circumstance sure. or a dangerous uh risky opportunity or you if if instead instead of seeing oh predator uh you're you engage the other part of your brain which is oh opportunity Right. Oh, I could kill the predator and I could have meat for a year or whatever. You know, like it's, yeah. there's the, there's a mental shift there of seeing the same circumstance, experiencing the same thing. And yet because of the mindset on it, your, your entire physiology deals with it yeah. differently yeah. and you can do better. You can, you can be empowered yeah. and, and there's, there's, um, there's some strength to be had there. Oh, terrific. I mean, what a, what a great advertisement for, uh, agency. It is taking agency on places you don't have agency. Yeah, I mean it's that's <laughs> wonderful. I think it's really great. I, I love that we're pointing out some of these things that you know. And I think we said since the beginning we watch these movies and we see these. Um, we, we watch these movies and we read these books and we and they speak to us in some way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like that we're able to kind of think maybe this is why they speak to us. Maybe this is why we like them so much, or why right. they why we have this. Reaction. I think they do tap into these aspects of our humanity that we all share, yeah. that we all value. You know, uh, I think what, it's terrific. I just kind of put you on the spot for a second. What <laughs> moments in the in the story do you find do you engage with emotionally? Like, are there are there any particular moments that really stir up uh, emotions in you? Oh, well, I do. I think the Watching Harry, I think, like, I, I look at obligation a lot and what obligation does to us. Hmm. Um, and Harry, throughout the story, has an obligation. You know, he's, he's very obligated. Yeah. <laughs> now, right. that could be to himself, but he also has an obligation to his friends, but he also has an obligation to his family and to his past. And so watching him deal with obligation and continually make the right choice yeah. with that, because, uh, you know... 
you know, like I said, we all have obligation. You know, I have an obligation to my family. I have an obligation to, you know, I have to show up to work each time. And how people deal with obligation is, to me, a really strong, is a way that I sort of judge character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how, how it's easy well, to be resentful of obligation. It is very easy to be resentful of obligation. So when I see, and Harry, ha- and Harry shows some of that. He yeah. gets resentful throughout this yeah, thing. Yeah, from but, time but, to time. But when you look at the whole arc of the whole story, you see somebody who meets his obligation with intelligence and even wit and love and tenderness. And so it's, uh, it's just, it's, to me, it's, it's obligation met in the most beautiful way possible. Yeah, so that's human. the part that gets me emotional or when I, when I look at Harry and think, oh, this, this guy, oh, man, he's got so much. You know, to me, he's got the world on his shoulders. You know, he mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Atlas in a lot of ways. You know, he's Very much car- so. he's carrying the weight of the world. Thank God he's got these friends that love him and care for him. Yeah. Um, and that resonates with me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, having those he's gotta have those people. Yeah, they would he wouldn't have made it far. No, he no, wouldn't have gotten no. anywhere without him. Um but his love for even like Dobby at the end, you know, like you know, so he he has Dobby that he's done good things for without not for the sake of doing good things. I and mean, he's just being a good person, yeah, right? Just you know, being just, who he is. Yeah. And, and, and releases Dobby from, you know, from his, you know, Malfoy. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then to have Dobby come back and, and save him, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, so, you know, it's like, yeah, you do the right thing. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the part that resonates with me a lot. This is one of them, but that was the first one that came to mind. This that's idea a good about one. Somebody, think about somebody way. embracing obligation in a way that is just, Really profoundly beautiful. It's very to honorable. Me. It's very such a, honorable. It's so honorable. Yeah, like. I, 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 yeah. People who, uh, not just Harry, but anyone who meets obligation with the way that he does, yeah, is held in high esteem by me. Yeah, and yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm always big on self awareness too. I, I talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. and that comes like that's even what you were talking about as well. Is is, is this idea of agency, and that you were talking about where you can. Meet the moment and uh, yeah, as choose to confront it willingly, right? And that's that's born of self awareness, right? Understanding, yeah. you know, where you are and who you are and why you recognizing that it's yeah. that it's a it's an internal reality, right? Despite no, regardless of the external reality, right? Yeah, yeah. So is that, so I, I'm I'm hugely uh, uh, appreciative of people who exhibit self awareness too, and so. <laughs> Yeah, so that's he's a good one. Checking all the boxes for me. Yeah, for sure. So what, how about you? We'll, we'll we'll wrap up with your last comments on uh on what you know you talked about and I think it's beautiful that that, that it gets you emotional enough to And I am <laughs> so not an emotional person generally. Like Lydia's so, always poking me trying to figure out when I cry and I just <laughs> I don't cry ever hardly except with occasionally with stories like this. Yeah, yeah. The 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 moment in the story that had me going was was this moment where um Harry uh, just she, so he's just he realizes that Voldemort has figured out that he's hunting Horcruxes. He's figured out that um, he Voldemort is off checking all of his little hiding holes, and Harry realizes that the next one that he needs to get is at Hogwarts, and that's the last one other than the snake. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that he's got to go to Hogwarts. So he gets there, they set off the alarms. He gets he meets with Albert Alberforth. Uh, right. Albus's brother, and, and and then Neville comes in. He's kind of beat up. He appears behind the portrait, and he yes. leads him through this passageway uh-huh. to the room of requirement. Yeah. Um, and there's he has this conversation with Neville, and as he's having this conversation with Neville, 
people keep showing up. Like all these order of the Phoenix folks are, are coming in the door and he's have, he's conversing with Neville and Neville's telling him about what it's been like at Hogwarts for the last year without Harry there. Yeah. And Neville has taken the torch. He like, has. Oh yeah. My gosh. Yeah. Like he has picked it up and run. With I it. know. And Neville, you know, starts out. Oh, as this, he's a, yeah, he's a sap. You know, <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah. He is. He, he's a, a, a good uh, horticulturist, I guess. Yeah, but that's yeah. about it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But he he observes courage in Harry, especially from the Order of the Phoenix. Like when they do, when they when Harry and Hermione finally put together that, um, the the defense against the dark arts group, the Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's army. army. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Harry, er, er, he inspires. Um, and a bunch of these students to stand up against tyranny right, in the right. ways that they can. And even though they know they, there's no victory to be had, like yeah. Harry's not there. Uh, the Snape is the headmaster. Right, right. He refuses to back down. And so he's get gets beating after beating after beating. And he knows that he, he knows that he can't win, but he sees he's aware enough to look around him and see that these other students gain courage every time he stands right, up. Yeah. And he knows that because he gained courage when Harry stood up, right. when it was Umbridge. And it's these yeah. progressive moments of uh, like seeds that are planted yeah. where where Harry refuses to be cowed. He refuses to to tell lies. He refuses to to cave to the pressure of what he knows isn't the truth. And and those seeds get planted. And even though the, the stakes, the antes are higher, the stakes are higher, there's even though things are worse off and the punishments are greater, the, the people who, who saw the seeds, the seeds were sown when they were in, in previous years, they, they grew and, and right. that ripple effect just spreads. Yeah. And, and so there's the, Harry's showing up back in, back in this, in the school and they all think, Oh, this is it. This is our moment. We got, we, we, we're all ready to move and they are pumped yeah. to stand up. And have a battle, like literally, everyone, every one of them is ready to die <laughs> ready. on the spot. Yeah. Like yeah. they know Voldemort's coming. Oh, we could all yeah. die, but they also know that they're gonna do it anyway. Right. And uh, and so, you know, Ginny, and you you can't keep them away. You couldn't keep any of the Order of the Phoenix away. They just start showing up. Yeah, and you know, his his uh, it becomes like the the railroad. You know, Al- Alberforth <laughs> is complaining about it, um, and then and all the way to the, to the very last when Harry's being held in the arms of, of Hagrid. Um, he's feigning death at that point because he's, right. he's alive. And Voldemort's call, they, they parades the whole Death Eaters to the front of the school. And, uh, and he starts accusing you know, people and saying, all right, come over to my side and I right. won't kill you. I don't want to spill any more blood. He's just bluffing. And he's trying to defame Harry by saying that you know, he, tried, he, he acted like a coward and he let other people fight for him. He just lies, lies, right, lies. Right. Neville charges forward with the with sword, the sword and, and cuts uh, Nagini like in that moment. So in the, it's a little bit different in the book than the movie because in the, in the movie it happens, I mean in the book it happens right then before Harry even gets up, ah. like right as right before the, um, the giants and the, and the house elves come riding in and, and the, the centaurs come in right before then 
Neville was, he was willing to be the first man through the gate. Wow. You know, and that, oh man, that just That's stirs awesome. me. Yeah, it's It terrific. stirs me. That the, the, the person with the courage to be the, the man through the gate. Yeah. I think I've said this line before from one of my favorite uh, bands, albums. It says, the first man through is an easy kill, but no one's safe if we all stand still. Yeah. It's like, he was willing to be, be to be that guy. Yeah. Yep. And so he sits there in the book with the uh, Voldemort, gives him the sorting hat, puts it on his head and lights him on fire uh, yeah. right there in front of everyone. But it's in that moment he pulls the, 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 the charge happens, he pulls the sword out of the hat and he kills the snake right there. And so he knew that Harry was willing to go die. Right. Uh, and, and so he tells, he tells, the only person he tells is, is, um, is a Neville. And he says, you got to kill the snake for, for Voldemort to die. And so Harry knew that even if he didn't get him, that the snake would, you know, the one person knows. Yeah. And so that was Neville, Ron and Hermione who knew. And so he's just doing what Dumbledore did and, and trusting people trusting him, and, yeah. and knowing that someone else will carry on after him. Yeah. And, uh, and to, oh, just, it moves me that to That's see terrific. people so willing to give up everything mm-hmm. to see, to see Lupin and Tonks, you know, leave their newborn, to go to go into battle together, you know, Lupin yeah. would have done it by himself, but Tonks wouldn't let him. Right, you know that to to see people, you know, the the Weasley mom confront Bellatrix. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, in that moment uh-huh. and see that that mother bear come out and, and yeah. defeat her, and uh, it's just these people who have so much to lose. Right, and that's just it is. Yeah. They they have everything to lose and 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 only a hope to gain and and a slim hope at that. Right, right. and they're and they're. All for and it. And they're still going for yeah. it. Yeah. Fred and George, you know, they're just right there. Even Percy, the the estranged right. man, no good son, comes and, and admits his own fault and and there's there's this opportunity for redemption in the yes. midst of sacrifice. Yeah. It's like that that uh that moment of sacrifice is so profound. And I, I just I don't know what those moments look like in real life. Like in a movie and in fiction, it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing to behold, but mm-hmm. I don't know when those times are. Um, in in my in in the real world per yeah. se, because it's not often we charge into a battle. Like it's not often my my actual life is on the line in any given moment. But at the same time, I I want to be a person who could, and I don't know how to prepare. Well, you're. I mean, you mentioned that you're kind of a natural teacher, and I think you are a natural teacher. And I think that what you can give to the world is you are being like Harry and you're, you're, you know, you're inspiring people to do a lot of things that you admire in your, you know, and, and people and you're inspiring so. people to do that. <laughs> so you're, you know, like, you know, I think that what it looks like in the real world is you walking through that tunnel and having people say, Hey, thank you for the opportunity that you taught me this, or thank you for this, or, you know what I mean? Like oh, people yeah. who being are being a forerunner, being yeah, willing yeah, to, that, 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 you know, we, I think we underestimate the impact we have on other people. And, yeah, uh, maybe. And, and, and so, you know, you have an impact on other people and a positive <laughs> impact at that. Yeah, um, so that's where I think that's where it manifests itself in the real world. So just be on the lookout for it and don't right. <laughs> and try to right. wallow in it a little bit <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it could be fleeting, but, uh, but you are inspiring to other people. Well, and I, and I guess in I a lot of ways need to remember that to, to be willing to, to be willing to speak up when I know something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a little bit of what this is. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get truth out there in any yeah. way, I, in any way yeah. I can in the midst of a, what I see as 
some pretty bonkers yeah, information. Yeah, and, you know. truth gets. Uh, yeah, truth right now is, is elusive. So I think that. Yeah, uh, yeah but I think that word. that's a. I think I think that we're doing the right thing with this. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you as a person. I mean, you know, you just you just struck me when you said. Not sure how that looks in the real world, but I, I think I can see how it looks in the real world. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for that encouragement, Steve. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> well, as always, it's a good conversation and a great story, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I said it last time, too, and I just want to say that I think J.K. Rowling's is just absolutely incredible. I think she is brilliant. genius brilliant. personified. I mean, the... The depth of this story and the and the universe that she's created and yeah. the and the and the impact she's had on people's lives and the way that she's allowed people to examine everything from you know leadership to culture to themselves is just like I mean an author couldn't ask for anything more. I mean yeah. it's just just wonderful. So she is to me deserving of every accolade. Oh my gosh. And the ability to span generations with with the the layers of depth to it. Yeah. No, I think she's a, it's, it's lovely to have somebody in our, you know, uh, generation. Now I have read, I, I read some of her, um, um, she, she writes under a pseudonym. It's a, uh, Galbraith or something like that. She uses a, Oh really? Yeah. She's written a few sort of, uh, true crime things and it's really interesting because it doesn't seem like her at all like huh. it's not it's it doesn't have the same the same fire and I think it's says. I think it's purposeful I mean she's I don't I don't know but it's interesting because like you think yeah. I think this um, was a labor of love for her you know and it, it came out of a, a place of her own dark time yeah that's true um, yeah and, and that's even beauty in itself isn't it that, that, that the yeah, yeah that the story of this down on her luck and Wrote most of it in coffee shops and stuff because of the electricity <laughs> right. and all that. well, and trying to like follow her kids through school, like trying to bestow on her kids the the things that she thought was most valuable during yeah. these periods of life that sort of parallel Ron and Hermione and, right. and Harry. Yeah, there, there's something about that that dynamic that the whole context of this that, yeah. that I think really built a lot of a lot of truth and a lot of love into it. Yeah. I'd love to meet her, have dinner with her sometime. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, it sure would. <laughs> sure would. All right, Josiah, we will see you next time. And yep. not sure what we have on tap, but it's yeah, gonna be something. It'll be a, it'll be new. Exciting. It'll be a surprise. I know I've got um, I've already recorded a couple. We'll be releasing them probably next. But uh, be sure to like and subscribe. And hey, if there's anything you can do that would that really benefits this podcast, is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever else you find it. Um, it really makes all the difference. If you found it to be valuable, we would love for you to spread it. That's it. Thank you so much. Thanks again. I'll catch you next time.